Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I'm so glad you're here tonight. Amen. Hell, I told you that I'm excited for you because something good's about to happen to you. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm excited for you because something good's about to happen to you. Amen. I'm going to take some time tonight. I want to minister on this subject over the next few minutes on can you see what I see? Can you see what I see? And uh, I got into some of this this morning. I, I halfway jokingly said it, but I really meant it. You know, that, especially that last, those last two songs we sang. And I told people, I said, you know, if, uh, if you missed the charismatic renewal, well, we'll help you go back. Because that's what we sang during the charismatic renewal was songs about Jesus and songs about the Holy Ghost and songs about the Father. And so uh, if, you, if you maybe weren't living for the Lord then or you, you, you were just in another state somewhere, not like a state like a United State, but like a mental state, uh, we'll help you go back. Because there is a vast difference between something that's entertaining and something that's exalting. There's a vast difference. And... Uh, You know, my job is not to tell anybody else what to do as far as a church. My job is to direct our church, that's one church, two locations, in the direction God has us to go. So tonight I want to minister for the next few minutes on can you see what I see? And I talked some about it this morning, but I I want to go back into some of this in depth. 1995, the latter part of summer in 1995, Pastor Michelle and I were living in a little apartment complex in Grandview, Missouri, called Minor Ridge Apartments. And uh, yes, oh Lord, she remembers. <laughs> now, now, people say, why'd she say, oh Lord? Because we were both so broke that her and her family were living with me and my family in a two-bedroom apartment. And so there, there we were. But uh, uh, we were living there in Minor Ridge Apartments, and I, was, I told you this morning I was working all the hours they would give me. My wife was working all the hours they would give her. She was working nights at uh, Price Chopper and cleaning apartments in the daytime and, uh, uh, and watching kids and other things. And uh, we just couldn't seem to get ahead. I don't know if you've ever been there, but we just couldn't seem to get ahead. And uh, she was working late one night, and I went back, and I took my Bible, and I went back in the back bedroom, our bedroom, my wife and I's bedroom, and I got up on the bed. And I went to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. And I said, now, Father, this isn't working for me. You said to bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there would be meat in your house, and you'd open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive it, right? And I said, this isn't working for me. And I made a statement. I said, I know that you cannot lie. I know the problem's not you. I know the problem's not your word. So, therefore, there's only one issue here, and that's me. Where am I missing it? Amen. And thank God, God is so good. Say out loud, God's good. God is so good to help you see when you ask with a heart to be corrected, 
God will correct you, not condemn you, not upbraid you, but correct your thinking. And he said, here's your problem. You're inconsistent. And I said, what do you mean inconsistent? And he said, you tithe when you feel like you have it. And when you feel like you need it more than than I do, you keep it. Amen. Amen. Now, that was hard to swallow. Because you got three kids. We had, we had two older kids. And, and uh, uh, well, Angela wasn't born yet. Uh, uh, Pastor Michelle was pregnant with her. But the point is, you know, I, I, I've got a pregnant wife working nights. I'm taking care of two kids. We're trying to go after the plan of God for our life. But how can you go after the plan of God for your life when you don't have money to put gas in your car to go around the block? Amen. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about seeing things a certain way and how God will set you up to start seeing something. Amen. So God began to show me this is, this is the issue. All right, you're, you're inconsistent with this. And then he began to show me other keys to abundance, how to walk in victory. He began to show me things like the process of possession and going to war and that God does not bring you out of somewhere just to leave you out. He brings you out to bring you in. And God does not set you up for anything but success in your life. And if you have the ability to sow seed, you have the ability to convey. And when you can convey, you can exercise ownership. I started seeing things. I started seeing that that I could change my circumstance. Are you following me? And what it made me do was throw my shoulders back, push my plate back, and put my finger under the nose of the devil and let him know your days of dominion in my life are over with. They're done. Hallelujah. Are, are, are you with me? Oh, glory. Just tell your neighbor, God didn't bring you out to leave you there. God brought you out to bring you in. God brought you out of not enough to bring you into abundance. God brought you out of poverty to bring you into wealth. God brought you out of sin to bring you into salvation. God brought you out to bring you in. He didn't just tell the children of Israel, when I bring you out, It's going to be a great day. He said, I'm going to bring you out of bondage and I'm going to bring you into a land. And it's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a land that you're going to have every need met. It's a land where you won't lack anything. God doesn't bring you out of where you were just to leave you out. God brings you out to bring you in. Hallelujah. That's part of what the word of the Lord was. He said, I'm going to recompense you. Every bad thing you suffered in 2021, in 2022, it's all coming back. It's coming back because God will not leave, my God, God will not leave you in a deficit. God will not leave you in a minus. He's going to bring you out and he's going to bring you in and you're going to have more than you ever thought was possible because God will always do more for you than the devil took from you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I started seeing that. See, God had to 
correct some thinking before he could start talking about his plan. If God doesn't talk to you about his plan, your thinking has to be changed. My thinking had to get so big that I could no longer be poor. Hallelujah. Your thinking has to get so big that you no longer fit where you're at. Amen. What's happening to us as a church and as a fellowship is our thinking is getting so big we can no longer stay where we're at. Hallelujah. Just, Just close your eyes and point to yourself and say my thinking is getting so big I can't stay where I'm at. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. See, light was coming. Light was coming. God was asking me to see things the way he was seeing things. We, we always talk about these scriptures, but, but understand this. We're not going to turn to them. You know where they're at. God shows up to Gideon in the book of Judges, and Gideon is hiding from the Moabites, and he's threshing wheat in a hidden place. And he goes to get some supplies. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Hail, you mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. Isn't that right? And what Gideon say? I'm of the least tribe and I'm the least in my house. And if the Lord is with us, why are we in all this bondage? Do you see the problem? The way God saw was not how he saw. The way God thought was not how he thought. Amen. Was Gideon a deliverer? Had God set him up to be a deliverer? Did he have the right stuff? Then what was the problem? God didn't make a mistake. It was his thinking. God made no mistake when he put the dream in your heart. God did not make a mistake when he said, I've called you to do thus and so. It's me getting my thinking to expand so I can see myself doing what God's called me to do. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I I, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And I want you to tell him to let my people go. Oh my God, I can't do that. I'm slow of speech. I stutter. I can't talk well. Well, here's Aaron, your brother. He'll go and he'll be your mouth. Amen. Amen. Did Moses see himself as a deliverer? No. Was he a deliverer? Yes. What's God doing? Getting light in his path. What's happening? His thinking's changing. Amen. So 95, I, I, I get a hold of this. God begins to show me these keys to walking in abundance, walking in victory. And, and I begin to get that. And I, I begin to dig in and, and I begin to see what God wants to do in the Word. In, in, in the, the latter part of uh, 1996, Angela was born June 26, 1996. And, and about a month after that, I'm sitting in our apartment. And I'm sitting in a chair reading the Word of God. And the Lord said, now, turn to Hebrews 11.1. 1. 
and start reading. And I read Hebrews 11.1 1, and he said, now go to Hebrews 11.3. And I went to Hebrews 11.3 and it says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And the things that were made were not made of things which did, the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Then God spoke to me and said, this is the vision for your life and ministry. To build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. Why did he not tell me that in the latter part of summer 1995? Because I was not seeing the way he saw. Do you see this? But right then in that chair, I started seeing something. That if God asked me to go build faith, I could build faith. If he asked me to teach people how to frame their world by the word of God, I could do that. Amen. So what did you start doing, Pastor? Taking every opportunity they would give me. Every little podunk place. I preached to two people, to one people, to no people. Amen. Some, somebody would have their great aunt Martha come in. And they'd say, can you come over to the house? And I'd come over to the house and preach to great aunt Martha. Amen. I'm not saying that just preaching to, to small groups. I have this understanding I'm capable. I can do this. Amen. Now, 1996, 19, the latter part of 96, all of 97, part of 98. Right? I'm assistant pastor at a church in Kansas City, Kansas. Right, there's a move of God on. There are things going on. But I'm, I'm learning. I'm, start, I'm seeing the way that God sees. God showed me a revelation during that time frame about the seed and about sowing seed. And I took 12 weeks in that church and taught on seed. There, there was a couple farmers in the church and they brought big bags of seed and said, will this help illustrate? Yeah, that'll help illustrate. And they put it by the altar. People were getting healed of cancer. People were getting healed and set free and saved. Families were being put back together. We had a minister and his family come and they were just at, on, on the verge of breaking up and God put everything back together. Hallelujah. 97, 98. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Are you with me? The middle of, of 1998, God began to deal with me that my time there was over. There came a day, He said, Give your two weeks notice. Tell the pastor, In two weeks you'll be leaving. I said, Okay. And I gave the two weeks notice. And uh, <clears throat> she told me to go ahead and leave that day, <laughs> which was okay. I mean, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, 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 I did so, and the next week, I'm sitting at my job at Blue Cross on the help desk, and uh, I get a phone call from the pastor who God had put things back together in his life. And he said, I pastor a church over in Mission, Kansas, Mission Full Gospel Church, would you come and hold a week's meeting for me? Can you? Are you available? Yes, I'm available. Amen. So we went there and we preached that one week, Sunday to Sunday. He comes to me Sunday night. Would you stay another week? We preached Sunday to Sunday. 
He comes another week. Would you stay another week? So we went for one week. We stayed for three weeks. Mm. Hallelujah. Well, in between that time that I had, had left that ministry, uh, I had ministered here. I ministered on a Sunday night, and then they asked me to come back on Monday, and I ministered Monday through Wednesday. That was when the Lord said to make myself available to pastor this church. Now, here's what I'm trying to get you to see. You don't get to that point if that summer day in 1995 don't happen. If I don't go to God in 95 and say, what's wrong? This isn't working. My financial life doesn't change. If my financial life doesn't change, if I don't see the word work in that, I don't know how to build my faith. Because eventually, hear me, eventually God will ask you to do something that you're going to have to step out completely in faith and do it. And it will start where you're at. God will not just up one day and ask you to quit your job and walk off if you've not been building your faith regarding other areas. It's got to start here. Are you seeing the way I see? Hallelujah. And so I'm, I preached that three weeks. Tremendous move of God. Tremendous. It, it, I don't call it revival. It was just tremendous move of God. Amen. I, I, we went home on a Wednesday night. And the phone rang. And it was Marie Price. Pastor Marie, of course, uh, there in Clarksville. And uh, she, she was part of the board. And she said, we've elected you as our pastor. The first Sunday of December 1998, I preached my first service as the pastor here. That wasn't the end. See, the first Sunday of 98, December, doesn't happen if that summer day in 95. Because I saw something in 95 that I didn't know I was going to need in 98. December 98, first Sunday of December 1998. And so we, we minister through December 1998. We get over into January. We get towards the end of January 1999. And the Lord speaks to me and He says, February 22nd, 1999 is your last day on your job. Now can you see the way He sees? Can you see the way the person God has placed in your life? Can you see the way? See, the thing about it is, if you want to do what you see people of faith in your life doing, find out how they see. I'm going to show you this. If you will start seeing the way they see, you can start doing what they do. But if you never see it, you'll never do it. Tell your neighbor, you got to see it. To do it. Amen. People say, what did you do? I said, yes, sir. Now, now understand why. Because I've learned something. I've learned how to walk by faith. Amen. So what did you do, pastor? I went to my wife and I said, honey, the Lord told me the 22nd of February is my last day on my job. She said, Okay. Amen. See, that's where the practice is. Your family knows you can hear from God. And when your family knows you can hear from God, they have confidence in you. 
And then God can move that family forward. Mm. I'm taking a while here. I'm, I'm trying to get to my verses. Hallelujah. So I, I, I went and I gave my notice, February 22nd. And I told the Lord, see, just be honest with God. I told the Lord, I said, now, Lord, I've got the best job I've ever had. We've got more than we've ever had. We're more blessed than we've ever had. I don't expect to take a step back. I don't expect to not be able to take care of my family. Now, understand, the church, this church at that time, was paying me $310 a week. Now, you can just add that up real quick. That's about $1,200 a month. Even in 1999, that's not much. I had four growing kids. House payment. Insurance payment. Right? Everything we've all got now. And I told the Lord, I said, I don't expect to take a step back. Now, now understand something. See, I've I've got this revelation of these keys to abundance. God doesn't bring you out of somewhere to not bring you into something better. God doesn't bring you up He brings you up to put you higher. You will never go lower with God. You'll always come up. You'll always expand. You'll always grow. Tell your neighbor, say grow, baby. You'll always grow. Am I helping anybody tonight? You'll always grow. Amen. So God had given us our first home, our first house. Hmm. We thought, it, we thought it was the Taj Mahal. It was the best thing we'd ever had. Hallelujah. So I took, I, I took pastor in this church and I started making three times less than I was making in the corporate world. In other words, I took a pay cut of three times. But God told me, you'll never miss a paycheck. You'll never hurt. You'll never miss a bill. I'll always take care of you and you'll have extra. And we did. God would bring people to us. Amen. He brought a man, uh, an older man that was, that was uh, part of the board here. And boy, he, he blessed us. And he went and talked to the board and said, you know, can we give the pastor a raise? And they gave us a raise. And we got opportunities to go preach. And people would stop by and just bless us. Amen. See, light had come. I said light had come. Amen. And then increase started coming. And then the church started increasing. And the finances in the people started increasing. You can't come where someone's increasing and not increase. If the head is increasing, you will increase. If the head has a good marriage, you can too. If, if, if the head is anointed, so are you. If the head knows how to walk by faith, you'll learn how to walk by faith. Am I helping you? Glory to God. Now, I'm going through this real quick because it won't take me long on, on my scriptures. So, 1999, man, we're, we're, we're pastoring here, and events started unfolding. I wrote Charles Capps ministry in 1999 and I said, would you come and minister at the church? At first he wrote me back and said, no, I, I won't come. And it was a very nice letter, but that's the gist of it. 
About two weeks later, I got a call from his wife, Miss Peggy, and she said, Charles has been praying, and he said that the Lord told him to come to your church. September of 1999, Charles Caps is in our church. Man, the, the devil unleashed everything he could unleash to try to stop those meetings. I was, I was preaching here on a Friday night, and, and, and I was ministering right here. We just put this riser in not too long before that, and I'm ministering here, and there was a lady over here that was a witch, and she was casting curses. I mean, I was praying for people, and I could see her. She was casting curses and going through all kind of incantations. People say, what would you do? I walked up to her, and I said, hey, you witch, shut up in Jesus' name. Get out of here, you devil. And what did she do? She left. Yeah, as, as the proverbial scalded dog. Gone. Man, in, in, <laughs> a freak ice storm hit. Grounded his plane in, uh, 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 I think, Cedar Rapids. They had to drive, rent a car and drive down. They got here and uh, they messed their room up. The room wasn't right. Oh, but my God, what a deposit. How God taught Abraham faith. Sunday morning, how God taught Abraham faith. Sunday night, how to exercise your authority in the faith realm. My Lord. Now, now people say, what, what is that? Deposits. Deposits. Right there, a deposit of the pure word of faith was placed on the inside of us. Amen. 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 The, 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 the next year, 2000, uh, my wife and Pastor uh, Michelle, uh, Pastor Michelle and, and Pastor Marie decided they're going to take the youth to Rama camp meeting. I know I, I know I got at least one person. There he is right there. Pastor Ronnie was there. I got a picture in my office of him, uh, him standing beside Brother Hagin. And, uh, but in any event, uh, they decided to go. Okay, they're going to take the, the, Rama, uh, uh, the youth group to Rama. And they're there. Well, while the youth group is in there, summer blitz, Pastor Michelle and Pastor Marie go to the adult service. And there was a preacher there preaching from Birmingham, Alabama, by the name of Scott Webb. And, and Pastor Scott was preaching on overflow. We were singing it about tonight. He was preaching about overflow. And, and uh, 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 I still got the video somewhere of him receiving the offering. The man, a move of God started hitting, and people just started bringing the offering. And Pastor Michelle jumped up and wanted to get in on that. And I still got the video somewhere of her running up there and putting money in the bucket saying, I'm in the overflow. And he said, I'm in the overflow too. Boy, she came back and talked to me about him. And I said, all right, we got to have him at the church. And so we called his ministry and invited him. He called me a couple days later and talked to me. And, and, and September, very first faith explosion in this church, September of 2000, our speaker was Scott Webb and Philip Steele and Michelle Steele. Hallelujah. But in that meeting, here, I'm, I'm helping you. Can you see how I see? In that meeting, in that meeting, I've still got this word. I still go over it almost every day. He, he called my wife and I up, and we stood right here on the side of the church, and he made this statement to me. He said, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, he said, people will follow a man who knows where he's going and knows how to get there. And he said, don't focus so much on what you don't know, but focus on what you do know. And he talked about the abundance and the things that would be coming. People say, what was happening? Deposit. Light was showing up. But September of 2000 doesn't occur if the summer day in 95 
doesn't occur. We're five years into this. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On a, on a Sunday morning, and you can think whatever you want of, of, of things that have happened in their life. I, I really don't care. I, I don't have time to be judgmental or critical of anybody. We're sitting here on a Sunday morning. The church is packed out. Paula White is preaching here in, 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 in our service, and she's ministering like she does on God bringing you from the pit to the palace. And she walked over, and we were sitting right here. It was all the way up here, actually. We were sitting right here, and she looked at me and my wife, and she said, God will give you a vision for the city, but the vision for this ministry is national, and God will take this ministry upon airwaves, and many thousands upon thousands of people will come into the kingdom of God. And God says that people will come to your church of such renown that your mouth will drop open, and you'll say, how could this person of this caliber come into our ministry? And then she said and the Lord says never to worry about money and never make a decision based on finances because I will bring many thousands upon thousands of dollars into this ministry and you'll never want for anything now you can listen and I say this bluntly you can say what you want about some things that have happened in their life everything she said came to pass and it's still coming to pass what's happening what's happening light light I'm starting to see, see that word. I'm see, okay, the vision is for the city, but it'll be national. Okay, you want to take the ministry on airwaves. Right? Are you following me? At, at, at that time, we're feeding 150, 200 people every Sunday morning. Harvesters was, loved us. But here's, here's my point. What's happening? I'm seeing something. I'm seeing. Ne- never get intimidated by what God starts showing you. He's just letting you see what He can see. He's letting you see the way He sees. And then He's asking you just to see it. Just to see what I'm seeing so you can become what I want you to become. If you can't see it, you can't be it. Amen. Glory be to God. Do, 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 do you see that? And so, so over the years, the, 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 these things have occurred. And God will place people in your life that seed you with things. They seed you with greatness. Amen. They seed you with big thinking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you're starting to see things the way God wants you to see them. Are you, are, are you, are you following me? Oh, glory to God. Fast forward a year or so later, maybe a year, 2000. It would have been 2000, in September 2000. And, and uh, uh, Pastor Michelle and I, uh, uh, a little later, in that year, I think it was October or something, we went to Birmingham, Alabama for Pastor Scott's camp meeting. And it was the 25th anniversary of Matt Gober. I don't know if anybody ever heard of Matt Gober, but Matt's been here a few times before he went to heaven. But in any event, 25th anniversary of his ministry. And, and the, the speaking lineup was a group of, of you know, kind of well-known guys, Jesse Duplantis, Jerry Savelle, and Ken Copeland. All right, Brother Copeland. And they, they were all ministering there. 
And, and I don't remember everything, but here's what I do remember. I remember I got up that Friday morning sick as a dog. And Brother Copeland was ministering that night. They didn't have a morning service, but they had an evening service. And, I, boy, I was sick. I went to church sick. And uh, Brother Copeland preached for three hours. And I got healed. <laughs> I, I don't know if he just wore the flu out or what. But I know I walked out of there healed and hungry. Amen. But here's, here's something that happened. Here's something that happened. I saw that I was capable of rubbing shoulders with greatness. Why is that important? Because God said part of our blessing is that he will bless you and he will make your name great. Tell your neighbor, say, get comfortable with greatness. Say, get co- say it again. Say, get comfortable with greatness. Now, I'm telling you all this for a reason. It won't take long once we, we get where we're going. Hallelujah. Pastor Scott told me, he said, he said uh, y'all come over in the morning. And he said, I'll have someone give you a tour of the ministry. And you know, it, it wasn't a huge ministry. He had bought a big Baptist church in downtown Birmingham. And uh, I mean, it was large compared to some. But uh, he took us around. And I saw, I, I felt like the Queen of Sheba. Because everywhere you went, it was excellence. The, 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 the youth pastor that was showing us around was in a tie and coat. Everybody looked pressed and polished. Right? When, when you walked in there, you felt like you were in the business world. Right? And, and, and we looked at the way things were done and how they did things. And it made us go, hmm, hmm, wait a minute, now I'm seeing something. What You say, what did you see there? That it's more important that I have a man or a woman with vision in front of people than it is that I have a trendy hip person in front of people. If you got a vision, you can take people somewhere. If all you got is exterior coolness, that's it. If that's what you think draws people, you're stuck with that. And when the trend changes, you have to change. Vision never changes. Have you ever noticed if you get around somebody that's pouring something into your life, that's helping you change and grow, you don't care how they're dressed. Amen. Anybody anybody in here, anybody in here uh, get saved off the street? You, you know what I mean by that? Is, is there anybody in here that when you got saved, you weren't really a church person? I knew I had some ex-heathens. <laughs> this is what this church is made up of. But think about this. When, when, when you heard the word, did you care how the person was dressed? No, because it was man. It something God, what got on the inside of you? The way they saw it. The way they brought it out from the Word. 
See, the church today has things mixed up and they think we've got to attract people for, for, from, from a certain way, a certain look, a certain element. It's got to be this way. There's got to be lights. There's got to be smoke. That Now, I'm not against that per se, but you understand what I mean. But here's the issue. When that becomes the issue, you've got the Wizard of Oz effect. It looks powerful. It looks amazing. It looks overwhelming, but it could be be just a little man vision is big and what I caught in Birmingham Alabama in 2000 was a vision for how big our ministry could be but I would have never been in Birmingham if I hadn't got with God and said This isn't working. You know, in 1995, I knew I was called. I knew I was anointed. Folks, you got to remember something. I preached my first message when I was 16 years old. My sister sitting right here, she didn't do it as as much then. She has done it with me. Well, she has laid hands on me more than once in our room and and made me fall out. (laughs) That was our game. Right, that's right. All that laying on of hands. But here's the thing. That was our game. We, we, we played church. Amen. We used to have a friend, and I don't remember her last name. Maybe you do. Melissa uh, uh, Kelly. Melissa Kelly in, in Fort Myers, Florida. And we would go over. Her, her parents lived in a trailer behind the building that we were having church in. And, and we would go over to her house and end up in the, in the church playing church. Amen. I was always the sinner that would come in, and they were the preachers. They'd cast out devils, and yeah, I'd get filled. I got filled with the Holy Ghost every week. Amen. We 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 lived we lived on a on a on a street in North Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, my dad had had and mom had built a house there, and for whatever reason, my mother wanted to paint it yellow. I still don't understand that. If you like yellow, I'm not against it. But it was, it was yellow. It was a yellow house. Well, it was the 70s, so that, I mean, that makes sense. But uh, uh, there were some kids and, and a family that lived next door to us, the Haney's. Tony Haney and Brenda Haney and uh, old man Haney. All the Haney's. And they acted like you think they acted. <laughs> but they were saved. And uh, in, in Florida, they have drainage canals. And they run through the, the, the neighborhoods. Well, this one was dry. And it led over to a pine forest. And we went over in that pine forest. We didn't build a fort. We didn't build a hideout. We built a church. Yeah, we went and pulled up a lot of those saplings. Moved the pine needles out of the way. Built an altar. Built a church. Went and got our parents. Y'all come on, see our church. You say, what did your mom and his mom do? They came out, oh, they just prissed right over there and sat down on them blocks we'd set up. And you say, what happened? They preached and I got the devil cast out of me and got filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm just telling you, this, 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 in 1995, I knew I was called of God. I knew there was a call on my life. I'd known since eight years old. In Houston, Texas, 
When I told my mother after A.J. Lewis preached, I need to be saved. I knew there was a call on my life. I was filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence to speak in other tongues at nine years of age. Amen. My sister and I traveled with our parents all over America. She played the piano. I played the drums. My mom sang. My dad preached. I would get mad at her and hit her with my sticks. We're just telling it all. That's not part of what you want to see. (laughs) But I knew that. But here's the thing. I was missing something. I had an anointing. I had a call, but I couldn't see. I've had people say, what's wrong? That guy just can preach the paint off the walls. Why isn't he making strides? He doesn't see himself making strides. If you're always concerned about what people think about your ministry, you're not seeing right. That's why Paul could say this. It's a very little thing to me what you think. Now, he wasn't saying that arrogantly, and neither am I. But think about this. you got to see, what was Paul's focus? I pressed toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. I see something that I'm pressing for. If you want to go, come on, we'll go together. But if not, I'm going. Can you see the way I see? So you may be in that state. I know God's got something for me to do. I know I'm anointed. I know I'm called. You got to see right. And God, <laughs> that's why you're here tonight. We're, we're giving you a spiritual optometric, uh, uh, op, what's the word? Optometrist exam. We're going to adjust your spiritual glasses tonight. And before you walk out that back door, you're going to be seeing 2020 what God wants you to see. Oh, that's shouting ground, whether you know it or not. Amen. Do, 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 do you see that? So I'm sitting at, at lunch with Scott Webb, and we're talking about different things. And he's, he's come back uh, to the church the second time, and we're sitting at Houston's. There used to be a Houston's here in town. I don't know why uh, the devil shut it down, but it was delicious. Houston's. And he liked Houston's ribs. And we're sitting there eating, and we're talking about different ministers. And he looked at me and he said, uh, Jerry Savelle would come to your church. I said, really? He said, yeah, just ask him. Call him and ask him. Amen. So in the process of time, we did so. But in between that time, I got a, I got a hold of a book by Brother Jerry called In the Footsteps of a Prophet. His life story about how he went to work for Brother Copeland and, and these different things. Here's the thing. People, people, say, people think they got to wait to rub shoulders with someone for that person to be able to pour into their life. Don't wait. If there's somebody that, that you want to influence your life, you need to start listening to what, they're, to what they're saying, reading what they're writing. Amen. I'll come up to people every now and then and I'll say, uh, so uh, what's, what's our latest podcast episode? People say, why do you do that? I want to know what you're listening to. Are you listening to what we're saying? Because how can you see what I'm seeing if you're not listening to what I'm saying? 
You should go back and listen to all of six days of faith last week. Or was it week before last? That's why you, you heard when, when I said, I'm excited for you. Right? What's going to happen? Why am I excited for you? I said that every night, multiple times for six nights. So what do you do? You grab a hold of that and you start going around all day going, boy, I'm excited because something good's about to happen to me. See, what am I seeing? Something good happening to you. Ha, ha, ha. And the devil thought he had you and, and he thought he would just ruin you and he thought he would just overwhelm you. But in the process, people that can't even really hear from God, heard from God and blessed you, and they don't even know why they blessed you. They were just kind of feeling sorry for you. But that was their human intellect and their human mindset. And God said, I nudged them, I poked them, I pressed them, and they just obeyed me. So just understand, the Lord says, that even if it looks like you don't have anything, you always got plenty because I got more than enough. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fast forward because there's a couple verses I want to get to. So, so, so I, I got a hold of that book. I started seeing some things. I, invi- I invited him. I wrote his office first and told him how much the, the book had blessed me. And he wrote back a very nice letter. Then we invited him to come here. And I remember the message that he preached when, when he ministered here. And he ministered uh, and, and a statement that he kept making in that, min- in that message was, Willie is next. <laughs> and how, how God got him into his first airplane. He had toured the Cessna factory in, uh, where's that, Wichita, right? Cessna in Wichita. And he had sat in one of the, 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 no, no, the, the, the number two Cessna Citation 500 that had been made. And he said, I was out there, and the Lord said, and, and the Lord said I, I want you to have this plane. And he said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, do you remember your good friend growing up named Willie? And he said, I do. And he told about his friend. And he said, he said uh, 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 remember how his mother would call him? He said, yes, I do. And he said, his, Willie, they'd be playing, and Willie would hear his mother say, Willie! Right? And Willie'd take off running. And he said, I want you to call that plane like that right now. And he said, Lord, I'm here in the Cessna plant. I'm, I'm in the hangar. And the Lord said, well, are you more concerned about how to make you look or you want that plane? So he said, he reared back and said, Willie! And he said, the guy looked at him and said, what are you doing? And he said, I told him, you wouldn't understand. And, and, but here's the point. Here's the point. He got, he got a, a couple of other planes, and he got to this place where the Lord told him to sow a plane to a ministry. And the Lord said this to him, listen, Willie's next. Now, wait a minute. That was some years later. Willie don't show up if he don't call Willie in the Cessna plant. I don't hear that message if I don't get with God in 1995. There's no reason for God to bring those men and women into my life 
if I'm not willing to see what he needs me to see in 1995. There are people and things that God has no reason to bring into your life if you're not willing to see bigger now. Oh, glory. Now, I'm going over some things. Fast forward to January 2013. And, and before then, but this is the specific time. I'm sitting in the minister's conference, KCM, and I'm sitting there in the minister's conference. And Pastor Caldwell is ministering. Mm. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to follow his faith. He said, this is a direct command. I want you to do it, and I want you to do it now. I want you to follow his faith. And he said, as I was and am with happy Caldwell, I will be with you. Uh, so the, the, they, they, they received an offering that day. They generally don't, but this was for a minister. I, I believe it was for, uh, if I remember right, it was for Brother Shambach's funeral. Brother Shambach had passed away, and they were receiving money to help his family. And, and I went up, and uh, I, I gave, and they were sitting right over here. And we knew them from being on TV there with VTN. But I went, and I said, the Lord has said something to me. Can I write you a letter and tell you what the Lord said? He said, yes, please. And I, and I wrote him a letter and explained what the Lord said. And uh, I, I've got his re- response at my house. It's in a, a frame matted with the notes that I was taking that day where the Lord said, follow his faith and do it. Now I wrote it down. And then I, I, got, I have his letter. And, and he, said, he said, I appreciate you sharing what the Lord said about following our faith. He said, it is confirmation to me because the Lord said he was going to begin to bring sons and daughters in the faith to us. I gladly avail myself to you. So God brings a pastor into my life that at that time had been pastoring for over 30 years. And took a church from nothing to a church that was touching the nations. January of 2013 doesn't happen if summer day of 95 doesn't happen. Can you see, did God have January 2013 on his mind? Yes. Yes. That's why he had to help me in 1995. Do you see this? Now let me hurry. It's 725. We won't take long. Second Kings. Oh, glory. Tell your neighbor, say, I perceive that you are seeing some things. Amen. Many of you have your own stories about that. Amen. But you know, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning to enjoy getting older. You know, they're, they're, right? I mean, there are people sitting in here right now, young men, young women, and, and we're all young. We're just not as young as we used to be. But there are people that are younger, and you think somebody 40, my Lord, 40, oh, Lord, 40, oh, old. I remember one time, me and my sister were sitting, we were watching uh, an interview with Tom Selleck. And at that time, they asked Tom Selleck, how old are you? <laughs> he said he was 43. And my sister looked at me, and she goes, Lord, he's the same age as dad. (laughs) Said, but dad don't look like that. (laughs) 
you can't say anything around me. But, but, but here's the thing. When you determine to enjoy every phase of your life, I can look back now. I'm glad I have a path of over 27 years to say over 27 years I've been seeing light. And I'm recognizing it. 2 Kings chapter 2. And, and we're not going to go through all this. This, of course, is when uh, they, uh, 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 the Lord was going to take Elijah. And you remember he said, I've got to go. He told Elisha to stay. And he went to three places. And Elisha said, as the Lord lives, your soul lives. I won't leave you. Notice what he said. He said in verse 9, came to pass when they were gone over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I be taken away. Now, here's something that I want you to see. If he was not able to do it, why was he asking him to ask? I've heard preachers preach this and say, you know, well, infer that he wasn't able to do what he said. Then why do he ask? What do you want me to do before I be taken away? And Elisha said, and notice, from you, not from the earth. So notice something. God told Elijah in 1 Kings to go and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, to be prophet in your room. So God did not just call Elijah to talk to Elisha to help Elijah. He put Elisha in Elijah's life so Elisha could see like Elijah. God will put you around people so you can start seeing like them. And hear me, that's never a bad thing. If somebody says, my Lord, you sound like your pastor. Well, don't worry about that. Amen. Hallelujah. I've, I've had people tell me before, uh, you know, you, you, you sound like Pastor Caldwell, and they kind of infer, you know, that you're just kind of parroting them. Well, look, man, I don't care. If it works, I don't care. What shall I do before I'm taken away from you? He said, I pray thee, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now, I've had people say that wasn't a double portion of the anointing. That was something else. No, it was a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah. That's what the Bible says. Notice what he said. Next, next verse. And he said, you've asked a hard thing. Now notice, hard thing, not impossible. Nevertheless, now hear me, even though it's hard, if you see me when I'm taken, it will be so. But if not, it will not be so. Now I had a man here ministering that I have confidence in that knew Hebrew, and he said that in the Hebrew that what Elijah said was this, if you see like I see, In other words, what I have for you cannot function on and in you if you're not seeing the way I see. Why should God anoint somebody with a faith-building anointing if they're not going to see things the same way? 
There are people that can come to your church and they can preach and they can be anointed and they can even have revelation, but they're not seeing how you see, so therefore they're not safe. Because they don't see the way you see. I've went through these 27 years to tell you this in 2021 is precious to me. This is my life. This is everything that God showed me for 27 years. There's been deposit after deposit after deposit after deposit. And every time you come to church, that deposit is coming over into you. That anointing is being imparted into you. And it's not to go do my own thing. It's to see the way the vision sees and the way the house sees and find my place in making faith builders be the best thing that God ever put in the world. It doesn't mean you may not travel somewhere and minister, but you'll always be a faith builder. You'll always be, this will always be home. I'll always be dad. Pastor Michelle will always be mom. Why? Because that's where you got your life from. That's where your vision came from. That somebody imparted that into you. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. So he said, if you see the way I see, it'll be that way. If, if not, it won't. Well, you know the story. It did. Now, 1 Samuel 22. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I hope I'm helping you. I, this is so powerful. I think I'm going to minister on these things for a while. 1 Samuel 22, notice this, verse 1, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brother and all of his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. Now notice something, this is important. They went to him. They went to him. God will call you to a him. Now you understand it could be a her. But a him. God will God doesn't take you to a church, he takes you to a pastor. God takes you to a minister. If he could just take you to a church, then you could just go anywhere. But he takes you to a pastor. To that man, that woman that is saying what you need to hear. I remember when Brother Jerry was here one time, he was ministering, and he said, where were you all in the 70s? You know, Brother Hagin came to Kansas City in the 1970s and, and promised that he would never come back. He said, there, there, there's such a religious, goofy spirit over that region, I'll never go back. And he didn't for years. Now, I've told people diligently, we have destroyed that. We broke that. Amen. Amen. But, now, now, the reason I'm saying this, I've had people come and say, this is so refreshing, the word of faith. I didn't even know there was a word of faith church out here. Brother Kevin told me, he said, Pastor, I drove for years past your church, going to another church, had no idea you were even there. What would you say, 13 years, something like that? 
Amen. But when God started having him see something, God knew where to take him. Isn't it interesting that for 13 years he drove past us and then God brought him somewhere just 13 miles from his house. I don't know if that has any significance. But who'd God bring him to? To David, right? They brought to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves to him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. I don't know about everybody, but I know there are people in here tonight that when you came here, there were various things going on in your life. Some of you, your marriages were on the rocks. Some of you, your finances were in a mess. Some of you, you're, you're, you felt like God was done with you. But God brought you to this cave. God brought you to this church. And God hooked you up with a giant killer. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And something in that giant killing anointing got on the inside of you and you figured out I don't have to be in debt, in distress, or discontented anymore. I can be what God called me to be. Hallelujah. God will hook you up with people that are giant killers. Hallelujah. 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 These are the same men. These are the same men that at the end of David's life, when he's taking up an offering for the house of God that gave $5 billion into the house of God. And when they came to this giant killer, they were in debt. They were in distress. They were discontented because something on that man will get in you. And you'll start seeing the same way that he sees or that she sees. David was the mighty man in the cave. The people that came to him were not mighty men. But hanging around him, they became what he was. We're going somewhere. We got buildings to build. Are you with me? We got cities to reach. We got people to touch. We got planes to buy. We got television stations to go on. And God's God's not waiting till the pandemic's over. God's not waiting until there's no inflation. God's not waiting till there's a change in government. I don't know if there'll ever be a change in government. But I know the calling and the vision hasn't changed. I know what God has asked us to do has not changed. And I know the anointing on my life hasn't changed. So I'm excited for you. Because something good's about to happen. Why? Because we're in the same cave. We're in the same spot. We're here together. The same anointing that's on my wife and on me is on you. It's there. It's a yoke breaking, yoke destroying, devil shattering, devil destroying, hell defeating, debt defeating, sickness defeating, anointing. God didn't deliver you 
from cold, dry, stale religion and bring you somewhere just to warm a chair. God didn't bring you out of what He brought you out of. All the physical abuse, all the sexual abuse, all the mental abuse. God didn't bring you out of poverty. God didn't bring you out of drugs and bring you out of religion for you to just come to church. God brought you out to bring you in. God brought you out of where you were to take you into where He wants you to be. Shout out loud, I'm coming out. out. Shout it again, I'm coming out. out. My God. Amen. Amen. God had you come to this ministry and hooked you up to a giant killer. Yeah, there might be giants. We'll just kill them and fertilize the earth with their body. Amen, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, every giant that's trying to stand in your way, there's an anointing that's on you because of where you go to church. You're going to cut that giant's head off. You're going to destroy him. He has ran his mouth for the last time. He has talked to you in your sleep for the last time. He's woke you up with his voice laughing at you for the very last time. You are not going under. You are going over. You are not going to be defeated. You've already won. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. You are fearless. You have no fear. You're not intimidated by anything. Amen. Why? Because you're in a house where there's no fear. There's no intimidation about anything. Amen. Amen. Do you understand that? When you stared death in the face and death couldn't defeat you, there's nothing for you to ever be worried about again. Death has been defeated. The last enemy has been put under the feet of the church. We cannot be defeated. Oh... Ah, well, ah, but I want to do more. Good, there's, there, there's an anointing for more. <sighs> Look at Nehemiah 2. I, I, I'm going to be done here. Mm. <sighs> my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. My Lord, the devil's betting on the fact that what's inside of you is not going to wake up. He's hoping, he's, if, if we could say he's praying that what's on the inside of you doesn't wake up. Because if you ever start seeing yourself the way God and your pastor sees you, his days of dominion are done. Because you're not just hanging on. You're not just hanging in the fight. You're a devil killer. You're a demon destroyer. No, 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 notice Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 10. When Sanballat the Horite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man 
to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Notice this. There had to be a man with a vision. And what was the vision? Seek the welfare of the children of Israel. And what happened? The two men that represent the enemy and the devil in the story of Nehemiah did not like the fact that a man had showed up with a vision. What was the vision? Build the walls. Put the gates back up. No, no, notice what it says in, in chapter 1. It says that when uh, Nehemiah heard of this, notice that he heard those words and he sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Oh, glory. Do you see that? Because there's something that needs to be done. God will bring you to a place where that man and woman of God want you to see what God wants you to see and wants you to be what God wants you to be. And they'll get on their face and they'll seek God so that the power of God can manifest in your life the way that it should. God brought you to a place where your pastor is seeking your welfare. Notice now, you're there in chapter 2, verse 17. I said, you see the distress we're in. Jerusalem lies waste. The gates are burned with fire. There's, 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 no, there's no defense. If the gates are burned, there's no defense. There's no way to keep the enemy out. There's people that have come to this church and your gates were burned. There was no defense. The enemy was just running in and out of your life however he wanted to. Messing with your mind, messing with your family, messing with your finances. And God brought you somewhere where somebody had a vision to rebuild the walls of your life, to rebuild the gates, to shut the enemy out of your life. Mmm. Ah, verse 18, then I told them of the hand of my God that was good upon me. I'm telling you tonight, the hand of my God is good upon me. It's good upon me. I told them the king's words that he spoke. And they said, notice, something in him got off on them. The hand of my God is good upon me. And this is what the king said. And then what they say. Let us rise up and build. And they strengthened their hands for this. Mm. For this good work. But then uh, the devil heard it. And laughed. And despised. And said what is this thing you'll do? Now now think about that. Has the devil ever said that to you? You? What do you mean you? You know if anybody knew your past. They wouldn't listen to you. Can I help you with this real quick? Can you give me 10 minutes? Is 8 o'clock okay? One time one of our children was just rebelling against the things of God. Amen. I don't, I don't tell this a lot, but it bears repeating. Amen. Seven, six, six times. Six times. 
In one summer, they tried to kill themselves. Six times. Seemed like every time is a Wednesday night. Huh. And, and now, and I'm telling you this for a reason. People say, well, what'd you do? Well, my wife would go to the hospital and I'd come here and preach. What would you preach? Faith. God's going to do what he promised. God's going to save your children. My children are following the plan of God for their life. Laying up in the hospital. Amen. And I, I, I thank God. I thank God. Because in the middle of that, in the middle of that, there were some women gathered in my wife's office at the time. And, and one of them asked a question about their children. And, you know, the enemy will play on you. And Pastor Michelle said, well, you know, I don't, I don't know that I'm qualified to answer necessarily because, you know, of what we're facing. And, and, a, and a lady, dear lady, Paula Mendez, stepped up in the middle of that room and she looked at Pastor Michelle and she put her hand on my wife's shoulder and with tears coming down her face, she said, I don't care what's going on in your life. You are my pastor. You are my example. And your words are life to me. The enemy will tell you you can't. You don't qualify. You messed up. If people knew your past, if they knew you were divorced, if they knew some of the things that you got into, well, listen, here's the thing. Join the crowd of everybody that's got a past because we've all got one. Some is worse than others. Some is better than others. But here's the thing. God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. The devil does, but not God. And so they start saying, what are you, what's this thing you're going to do? You? How, how are you going to do that? You, you, you can't preach, but here you are. That's, and all the ministers blessed me, but Dave said something the other day. Dave, Dave's smart. I can't see him, but he's back there. I know he is. Amen. I see his hand. Hallelujah. But in any event, it's not because he's short. He's sitting down. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> That, that, see, but 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 he made a <laughs> he made a statement. He was he was in the room back here uh, uh, at uh, Faith Explosion. We were having a light dinner. You, some of y'all will remember. And I forget the whole conversation. He can tell you if you want to know. But I remember what I said. I said, "Well, yeah, it sounds like you got series coming in his preaching." And and Dave said, "You know, I just kept a poker face." Now I want you to see something. Something got in him then. Why? Because he didn't say, I can never preach a series. Have y'all been here the last couple Wednesdays? He's been, sound like he's got a series going? And I can go around the room to all of our ministers. I can come over here to Jim. And tell you that the last thing he ever saw himself doing was preaching behind this pulpit. My wife keeps saying we need to get a pulpit that's just for him. Because he stands there like this. Right? Amen. But here he is. I said, here he is. What's this thing you're going to do? What's this thing you're going to do? Preach? Right? The devil did everything he could do to Pastor Ron to get him away from the call of God for his life. Moved him all the way to the West Coast. Amen. Moved him all the way to Nineveh. 
or Tarshish or wherever it was. But that whale got him back here. Amen. Of course, that, that, that great fish was a BMW, but it got him back here. He came back here in the winter with a T-shirt, shorts, and flip-flops. But my God, I'm glad he's here. What's this thing you're going to do? If people knew your past, Ron, if people knew your past, what's this thing you're going to do? I'll tell you this thing that he's going to do. He's going to help us spread the word of faith on every available voice, on every television station, on our podcast, on our YouTube, on our Roku. He's going to preach the word and see people set free because he's hooked up to a giant killer. What's this thing you're going to do? You're going to build another building? Uh-huh. Bigger. At least three times bigger. That's what the Lord said. You guys remember when I asked you to find out what three times the current square footage was. Is that possible? Yes. Why? Because we're going to rise and build. Amen. Am I helping you? Let me hurry. I'm, I'm almost done. 20, verse 20. Then I answered them. Answered who? The devil. And said, the God of heaven, he'll prosper us. That, that verse has talked to me so much over the last 27 years. The God of heaven, he'll prosper me. And notice Notice this. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion, right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. What's that that saying? Devil, you got no say in what we do. None. Your voice counts for nothing. You don't have a vote. God will prosper us. The hand of my God is good upon me. And we're going to rise and build. Amen. Can you see the way I see? Can you see yourself the way I see you? Because if you could see you the way I see you, it might be a far different picture than what you see. I see you capable. I see you powerful. I see you anointed. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, I still have problems. Well, join the I Still Got Problems Club. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's got issues. Everybody's got things that they're dealing with. And, and, and I'm not being doubt-filled. I'm just saying, everybody's got mental things that they got to get rid of. Everybody's got thought processes that were instilled in them when they were kids or, or whenever. And you got to deal with them. But here's the thing. You can deal with them because God brought you to a place with the anointing to handle it. Amen. I'm telling you what. And, and, and ladies, hear me when I say this. Hear why I'm saying this. There's an anointing on this ministry to raise up strong men. Your husband will get stronger and stronger in this ministry. There's an anointing on this ministry to raise up strong women. that can pre- And, and, and that's, that, that's partly because of me, but that's because of my wife. 
That, that, that woman's not intimidated about anything or nobody. And just will, will preach with a smile on her face knowing you don't believe she can preach. You heard Pastor Gasway in the women's conference talking about how when Michelle was driving that beat up uh, uh, Chrysler Baron that we couldn't drive 50 miles without putting water in it. She'd just pull up at those nice apartment complexes and just park right out there in front. Pastor Angela said, you know, I'd have parked around back or down the road or something. Every, Lord, I'll say that. Every lady in here is a partaker of her anointing. It's yours by birthright. That's your mom. It belongs to you. Well, I'm not called to preach. The anointing's not just to preach. It's to put you over in every area of your life. But if you do need to preach or teach, it's there. And while, and, while you, and while you are, if we could say it this way, while you're developing your own anointing in that sense, you have that genesis of anointing that's yours by birthright. You don't have to go out and start without an anointing. You got one. Every man in here wears the garment of your father. And the garment of your father contains the anointing of your father. So if God asks you to minister or to do something, you're not starting out at the Genesis stage on your own. You've got an anointing. See, this is light. Can you see the way I see? Well, Pastor, I can never preach like you. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. You have the same anointing. See, oh, Lord, help me. Is this okay? There's so much. The anointing that's on the son or on the daughter is never to usurp the position of the parent. You never get so anointed that you don't need them. I've watched people over the years. They they would get to a certain place of anointing, they would start functioning in a high level of anointing and they would abandon their spiritual parent. That's dishonorable. When you abandon a parent, you're no longer legitimate. Because there's no honor. If the parent abandons you, you leave that be and you never say anything. Why? You'll hurt the anointing. The the anointing that was downloaded into your spirit by that spiritual parent remains yours if you remain loyal. If you become disloyal, it ceases to function. Hallelujah. And so everything, every young man, every middle-aged man, every older man, you have the garment of a father. 
on you. And, and even if you had problems with your natural father, God brought you here to a father. I'm your father. I'll help you. God helping me, I'll help you. I've had men come and say, I did not know who I was going to point my children to as their grandfather till I came to this church. Now my kids have a grandfather. Amen. Why am I saying all that? Can you see yourself the way I see you? I don't see you just as members of the church. I see you as sons and daughters. I see you as people with a call on your life. I see you as world changers. I see you as faith builders. I see you as people that are walking in the light of the word of God and making a difference in the world you live in. And God's going to begin to bring more. And I don't just mean people. You watch. But I'm telling you this. This is what the Lord said to me. And you do whatever you want to with it. By the time Brother Jerry's meeting arrives here in the end of November, there will be more families added to this church. Not in that meeting, before that meeting. And you will see us have to use the overflow room. Amen. You will see it. It will occur. Because if you look around real hard tonight, if everybody was bunched together, we'd have a good, we, we, we got a good turnout tonight. Everybody's kind of spread out. But if everybody was together, we'd have that whole center section full or that whole section and part of this section. You hear what I'm saying? And I'm telling you, everybody that's hooked up to this ministry, you're going to see that. You can see it. So let the giant run his mouth. You're the seed of a giant killer. Isn't that great? Let me finish with this. David killed Goliath. His spiritual sons killed all of Goliath's brothers. Part of the anointing on your life is because you're going to fight the same battles your father fought. But you've got the anointing. See, I, 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 I need to hush. When, when God called me to do what we're doing, I didn't have anybody in my life to clothe me. I just had to have my tenacity. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. It was a lot of alone hours before God. Alone. In my basement. In the shed when we moved to Gardner. The, the, the shed that, that, that God blessed the, the men that helped me put that together. I, I would go out and spend hours, hours. Dur- during those, those, those two year, that two-year period of time, I, I never went to bed the same time my wife went to bed. I was all, I, I'd be up all night. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm saying, I knew, God, you want to show me something, and if I'm going to get it, I've got to be in your presence. Amen. And you're some well, not everybody here. Maybe, maybe Daryl might remember. Ron, may, he was young when I preached it, but he'll probably remember. I ministered the message here the garments of a father. Healing the orphaned heart. Ministered for weeks on that. Man, what a move God had 
in our men's lives. Look around you tonight at all the men here. You're all giant killers. Amen. There are giants that are going to show up. I'm not even going to have to unsheathe my sword. You're just going to step out and take his head off. There are going to be giants that fall that I didn't even know were talking. Remember that? David stepped out. Goliath's brother was threatening him. And David stepped out to fight him. And it says David got wore out. Was faint. But Abishai stood up and cut that giant's head off. And they said, you're not going to go to battle with us anymore lest the light of Israel be put out. And it said all the giant's brothers were taken out by David and his men. Who was, who was that man that stepped up and secured that giant and cut his head off? One of the guys that was in debt, discontented, and distressed. Where did he get the anointing to kill that giant from the giant killer? (laughs) Hallelujah. You might as well stand up. I hope you got something tonight. Can you see what I see? Because if you can see it, we're going. We're going. Amen. I want you to think along these terms. We have two churches, but we're not two churches. We're one church in two locations. Obviously, churches that come and connect to our ministry, that, that they're their own entity. But we have a church in Little Rock, and we have a church here. But it's one church, two locations. I need us to think that way. I say I need us to think that way because that's how I'm seeing it. And I need you to see that. When there's an event there, you join in. You join in online. If you can travel there and be there, you're there. Same from there to here. But here's, here's the point. Can you see that? That's why we need every hand on deck. We need every anointing available. Because there's much to do. There's much to do. The babies are coming. The families are coming. The youth movement's happening. Hallelujah. Say out loud, say, I'm a giant killer. Say it one more time, I'm a giant killer.